podcast with me Phil and yes at the moment it's just me but later on Paul will be joining us of course uh, where this week we're going to be discussing I'm sorry I'm so sorry evolution of the Daleks so yes I'm sorry you have been warned everybody you have been warned okay but first as usual let's have a little bit of news and there isn't a lot to talk about this week but one thing we did forget to mention last week was that the, the uh, director of the Christmas special uh, was announced. That's going to be Jamie Payne. Uh, now, previously he's directed Hyde. Um, also directed stuff like Primeval, Ashes to Ashes, um, Outcast. We won't talk too much about that one. And recent stuff like The Hour, Da Vinci's Demons, and The White Queen, which is currently shown on BBC One. Um, I think we're in safe hands there. I think Hyde was one of the uh, one of the better episodes of uh, the second half of Series Seven. And it's quite atmospheric, so I think um, it should be quite good um, in his hands. So, fingers crossed, we're going to get another belter of a Christmas story this year. Um, well, put it this way, we, we, know, we know we've got a good director, let's just hope the story's good. So come on, Moffat, deliver, sir, deliver. Now, also during the week, there was some interesting news about Philip Hinchcliffe uh, becoming involved with Big Finish. Um, basically, it comes off the back of a, a visit he made to the, uh, to the studios. And Tom Baker and Louise Jameson. Well, let's let's just say that uh, let's say what David Richardson said um, from who's one of the big Finnish producers. This is a quote uh, taken uh, from him. He says, "I know that Tom Baker and Louise Jameson were thrilled to have him there, and they both infused to him about what a great time they were having working for Big Finish." After the recording ended, Philip took me and executive producer Nicholas Briggs aside and pitched the idea of doing a set of stories of the kind he would have hoped to have done had he stayed on to produce the series for longer. We just said yes instantly. Well, cool. no brainer. No, this is fant- absolutely fantastic. Um, Hinchcliffe went to say they are not designed to follow on from my era, more to re-evoke it for fans who enjoyed the originals. And so the Doctor and Leela in these new stories are the same as they were then in the glorious seventies. That's the beauty of radio; they look and sound the same. Now, uh, apparently, the first story is going to be a six-part adventure in Victorian London. Uh, which paint's going to be adapted by Mark Platt, who you might remember, um, who wrote Ghostlight. Uh, well, we'll, uh, we'll be doing Ghostlight next week, actually, in our part of our commentary. So that's, that's dovetailed in quite nicely. And then there's going to be uh, another four-part story following on from that one. Uh, this is fantastic. This is absolutely fantastic news. I'm really, really excited for this. As I, we've said before on here, we've neither, myself or Paul, have actually uh, listened to any of the Tom Baker Big Finish yet, but this is even more reason to do so. Now, um, it's entitled Doctor Who Philip Hinchcliffe Presents, so if that's the current title for it anyway. Um, it will be released in August 2014. So, look out for that one, and we'll, uh, we'll bring you more news on that as, um, as it comes in. Now, while we're on the subject of Philip Hinchcliffe, uh, the Brighton Film School is sponsoring a lecture he's going to be giving at a, a venue called The Space, uh, which stands for Southern Performance and Creative Energies. Um, yeah, now, basically, he's going to be giving a lecture on Thursday, the 22nd of August, at 7pm. As we talk about his time on Doctor Who and sort of how he sort of led the show into sort of like more darker, dramatic, horror-themed and sci-fi, um, sort of the gothic-themed uh, uh, stories that he... Uh, 
that went down so well with the public at that uh, that particular time, and um, also sort of also brief discussing. Or I hope he's going to discuss actually how he um, went toe to toe with Mary Whitehouse uh, with a constant criticism of the of the show at that time. Um, you know, would somebody please think of the children. So um, yes, so you know, probably sort of um, Hinchcliffe. He's probably been the Doctor Who's most successful producer. So um, yes, I don't know if he's going to talk about any of his other his other work or not, but it does seem to be sort of geared more towards uh, sort of talking about Doctor Who, and um, I'm not too sure if it's actually in sort of in line with all the 50th anniversary celebrations or not. But um, but if you fancy the trip to Brighton or you're in the Brighton area, um, yes, so make your way down to that. As I said, Thursday the 22nd of August 2013. At uh, doors open at 7 pm. Uh, early bird tickets are £8 and £10 from the 28th of July. Uh, now they're booking online uh, right now if you want to go to that. So we'll, um, we'll put the link to the web uh, page in the show notes. Now, as I said, I wasn't too sure whether this was actually part of the 50th anniversary celebrations or not. However, on Radio 2, um, they're having a documentary um, called Who is the Doctor? Uh, to celebrate the 50th anniversary. It's a 90-minute programme, and it will be broadcast on Thursday the 21st of November, so just a couple of days before uh, the actual anniversary itself. Uh, so I've got no details on exactly what it's going to be, um, so who's involved, um, what you know, what the topics of conversation are, but um, that's definitely one to uh, listen out for, for our um, UK listeners anyway. Uh, those of you abroad, I dare say you'll be able to get hold of it by hook or by crook. So there we go. Now, um, last little bit of news is the Audio Go release of the next Destiny of the Doctor. It's actually released uh, tomorrow. Um, of course, it's the seventh Doctor story. It's called Shockwave, and it features the seventh Doctor and Ace. Okay, and it stars Sophie Aldred with Ian Brooker. Now, I'm just going to read out to you the, the synopsis of the story. So here we go. In the far future, the inhabitants of Tarsus VI face a desperate struggle to evacuate their world before their son, Tarsus Ultra, collapses into a cataclysmic spatial anomaly. When the Doctor navigates the TARDIS to a space station orbiting Tarsus VI, Ace assumes that he intends to offer their assistance, but it soon becomes clear that the Doctor has an agenda of his own. With the TARDIS immobilised, Ace realises that their own lives are in as much danger as those of the fleeing inhabitants. The race is on to escape the destruction of Tarsus Six and a devastating shockwave that will follow, reaching out and destroying everything in its wake. So it sounds like a typical Seventh Doctor story. Um, as I say, that is um, available as from tomorrow, and obviously we'll be reviewing that um, in the coming weeks, as we have done for the previous uh, Destiny of the Doctor stories. Okay then, right, finally, finally folks, it's time for a very, very brief trip to Omega's Tack Corner. You pester me with trinkets! Right, and for your delectation in the Tat Corner this week, now, you might remember some time ago there was that uh, Sonic Screwdriver Remote Control uh, for your television, which was uh, the 11th Doctor Sonic Screwdriver. Well, now, I don't know if it's due to uh, popular demand or, or whatever, but then they're now releasing a 10th Doctor one. Um, now it's um, it looks like a nice little little prop actually. It looks it's a, a faithful um, replica of the original prop, um, but by all accounts they had to borrow the actual prop from David Tennant um, to model uh, this uh, or get the, the cast actually for this uh, for this uh, little item. Um, as usual, it's the usual thing. Um, you can change the channel, do your volume, blah blah blah. 
Now that is going to retail for $69.95. Wow. Oh dear, oh dear. That's a lot of money to change the channel, folks. Um, so, so if you've got your own personal butler as well, you might be able to afford that. Um, now also, as I mentioned, the length Dr. Sonic screwdriver, they're also going to be doing a special edition one of that. It's going to be gold and silver plated, and only 250 of them are actually going to be available. However, here comes the big one. that This limited edition Lemph Doctor Sonic Screwdriver is going to retail for £119.95. Wow. Um, all I'm going to say is it's going to, probably going to be on sale in Forbidden Planet and the BBC shop, I would, I would assume. Um, both of these are going to be previewed at the San Diego Comic Con first, uh, whenever that is, and then they will go on sale in the UK in October. So, uh, yeah, so if you've... If you've Got a bit of spare cash on the hip, or got you know, searched down the back of the sofa for a few pound coins. Um, now you know what you can go and spend it on. So, hmm, I don't think I'll be doing that either, to be honest. Nah, nah, I can hear you all saying now, 69.95, no thank you. Okay, then, folks, well, that was the news. So, so, coming up very, very shortly is our review of Evolution of the Daleks. Again, I apologize, we're covering this one. So, for another week, then, that was the news. <laughs> Okay then, folks, it's time to conclude the uh, this Dalek 2 part of Series 3 with a look at Evolution of the Daleks. I am a human Dalek. Come on! Move, 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 move! Find the Doctor! Exterminate! Daleks are bad enough at any time, but right now they're vulnerable. That makes them more dangerous than ever. It started. <laughs> Gotta get everyone out. Hooverville's the lowest place a man can fall. There's nowhere else to go. Oh my god. Take a exterminate! I will be the destroyer of our greatest enemy! Then do it! Do it! Just do it! They just shot him on the spot! Right, um, it's my turn to go first this week, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. So, what did you like about it, Phil? <laughs> um, I can't swear on this podcast, can I? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not a lot, really. <laughs> Not a lot. Um, time hasn't been kind to this episode, uh, as uh, the same as last week, really. Um, it, no. You're, you, you've not got any fond remembrances from it. Uh, none whatsoever. Um, it's, as, um, it's as bad as I remember, to be honest. It really is. Uh, I, I did... Hope to sort of come back to and last week's as well. Hope to come back to them and sort of hope that after all this time, I might be able to find something to to enjoy about it. You know, sort of forget about all the the negativity that surrounded it when it broadcast and and, and lasted for quite some time afterwards as well. Yes. Actually, yeah. Um, but unfortunately, it 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 lingers. It's it's just so as we said last week. It is a the premise is good. It's an interesting premise, but the execution is it, it's appalling. Yeah. Now, is that the writing or the direction? Oh, a bit of both. I mean, I know Helen Rayner copped... I mean, she got some absolute venom thrown in her direction, uh, which made her stay away from Gallifrey Base, because she looked on there, and she, well, she said she was left sort of visibly shaken after reading all the comments... Yeah, but that's just generally everybody's opinion. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you you don't go to Gallifrey Base for any reasoned opinion, do you? Really? Um, no, no, you're not going there looking for praise if you've written something. No, no, definitely not, <laughs> definitely not. Um, 
Yeah, I think a lot of it's to do with Helen Rain. A lot of it's to do with um, Russell T. Davis. I mean, he had overall say-so on the script, so he's yes. much to blame as anybody else. And I think the direction as well. well uh, I think James Strong directed this one yeah. as well. Um, Interestingly, James Strong, I think, this was this was the... Having done The Impossible Planet and The Satan Pit, which you thought, brilliant. Yeah. His n- remaining episodes he did for Doctor Who are Voyage of the Damned. Oh, God. Partners in Crime. Oh, God. And his last one, of course, your favourite, Planet <laughs> of the Dead. Your, my favourite and yours. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and also, if we look at um, Torchwood, he did the worst one in that as well, Cyberwoman. Yes. So, yeah, um, I can see why um, he hasn't been asked to come back to Doctor Who, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, I made a few notes. Um, actually, there's only... Actually, I don't know. I liked it at the time, the, the gossiping Daleks. Yeah. But then, if, if, if it was meant to be light relief, yeah, it worked. If it was meant to be seriously a serious bit of drama, yeah. it worked as light relief. Yeah. It, <laughs> oh Christ! It's just it's just all over the place, isn't it? Um, but there was one thing um, at the opening of the episode when the Doctor gives a little, as a little bit of a, a talking to to the uh, the uh, Dalek hybrid. And he talks about about music and stuff before he sort of uh, sonics up the the little uh, radio grand yeah. thing he's got there. Um, I didn't know radios were that portable in the nineteen thirties. For a start, yeah, yeah amazing. Um, anyway, that is it's just with the way it was written. I could have imagined Tom Baker saying those lines, but done better, a bit less shouted. And I think what they were trying to go for there, it was almost like they're going for the fourth Doctor Davros discussion there. Yeah. But that's what they were trying to go for, but um, again, failed miserably. But I, I think, it, uh, to my mind anyway, that's just my own take on it. It just said that that's what they were sort of trying to go for. Yeah, it was it was the fact of the, here's a chance to say what is good about humanity and why you shouldn't be taking it away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, actually, I said about um, Tom Baker could have said the lines better. It's just that whole thing. It wasn't Tennant shouty in this one. Yeah, I mean, and, and culminated with the. Saving Laszlo at the end, didn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, which really was the point of what what got you about Tenant's Doctor at the end, wasn't it? Towards the end of his run, was this really encapsulated everything that you didn't want him yeah. to be doing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and that I mean, and that's where I know our, our reviews of these things do send, tend to sort of fly around the place. There's no structure. We don't start at the beginning of the story and sort of finish on the ends of our, you know, you know, the story with our reviews. We sort of pick up on maybe things. But as you've mentioned, the Laszlo thing, which is at the end, um, again, ridiculous. It already established. The Doctor already said, I can't do anything to save you. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he can. Yes. There's this other thing. Ah, the Doctor lies. Is that is that how they explain this one? Wait, no, it's just poor writing. They they just wanted a happy ending. Yeah, they wanted yeah exactly. Well, you got it La- would have been much better if he'd died. Yeah, and you've got Laszlo the half pig boy is now going to live in in um, Hooverville, and they say, oh, you know, don't think it's going to be easy, you know, because people will point and stare at you, and you know, you're not kidding, are you? No, Bloody but there hell. again, this this was sort of a time for the Barnum sort of freak shows and all that, wasn't it? So. It probably could have. He probably could have made a living. To be honest, as the big boy, <laughs> he had a happy career. 
Yes. At the end, I went on to form Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, no, I, I just thought that whole ending thing was ridiculous. If you've, if you've already established something, don't go back on it. No. Right, you've already but said the, that. The whole, you know, oh, I need a genetic laboratory or whatever it was. Oh, oh God. God, no. And shout it, yes. Yes. Why not? Well, the other, I mean, the other thing as well is the whole thing of, we said last week, I mean, why pigmen? Yeah. Right. And I, I said something about it. Well, maybe they, they sort of tried to latch on to the fact of the whole using the um, the pig heart valves for in, in human uh, valve replacement, heart replacement. Valve, uh, I can't even talk properly. Uh, but anyway, um, the whole thing about this one is Laszlo's heart begins to fail. That's why he's dying. Yeah. So, again, you couldn't even use that as the as the hook. No. So why again? Why pigs? <laughs> Oh no! Well, perhaps it was because the hearts went quickly, so they just thought, "Well, you know, that's Sandy. We can you make them pig men. We can just do the replacement straight in. We don't have to worry." Oh God, this is awful. Um, anyway, and actually, actually, the whole DNA, the whole DNA thing as well. I mean, I mean, somebody really needs to sort of, you know, read up on their science a bit more. You don't transfer DNA through solar flares for crying out loud. Well, yeah, this, this, this was, this is. This is where the whole premise falls apart, isn't it? If all the other stuff is just bad window dressing, this is the whole point where it goes. When I was saying last week about the fact that if they just injected the DNA into the Dalek and it had just taken on some more human emotions and how it dealt with that, yeah, rather just, than just, creating this hybrid yeah, thing. Yeah. Because when they actually go to in, put it into the humans, it doesn't change the humans. The humans weren't starting to become Dalek hybrid creatures they just had dalek well i was gonna say emotions but you know non-emotions if you like yeah yeah that was all that that's all that happened to them they were still human form so you didn't need necessarily this hybrid looking creature well he he was supposed to be the um genetic template wasn't he for this new new race of uh human dalek hybrids um I, i i Maybe I missed something. Maybe I just sort of like thought I, I can't be bothered paying much attention to this. But I didn't actually see him being used as anything. No, they'd taken. Yeah, they was just pumping this liquid, which was obviously part and containing his DNA. But that was meant to contain his DNA, and then the other Daleks seemed to stop it and put Dalek DNA. Which I, 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 yeah, I know it just. And if that isn't then bad enough. Yeah. These creatures get corrupted by the fact that the power source passes through the Doctor. I know. It's now, just, it's utter- how how do, how does how does the electricity or the or the radiation take with it any form of DNA? I know. It's just it's bollocks, basically. It is. It's utter bollocks. Um, and actually, there's another thing I noticed as well when um, when they started the um, the DNA transference to all the. All the uh, the human bodies. Mm. Did you notice? Because they get the pigmen, don't they, to turn it all on? Yeah. Right. Did you notice they actually turn it off? You know they've uh-huh. got. You know. You know they've got those great big handles you saw from Frankenstein movies. Yeah. And they sort of they pull down to complete the circuit. Yeah. Yeah. They actually opened the circuit rather than closed it. Right. So they actually pulled the handles upwards, which means they turned it off. <laughs> I don't know though. Perhaps they just wired it wrong. <laughs> No, again, it was bollocks. <laughs> look, look, you, you've got you've got pigmen and creatures with suckers. How are they just wiring these things up properly? <laughs> ah, talking of wiring things up with suckers, 
Who the hell put all those wires on Dalek Khan at the end? <laughs> there were no pigmen left. They'd all been set up in the lift to be electrocuted by Martha. Again, is this utter crap? <laughs> I know maybe I'm sort of picking on sort of like really... There's probably bigger things to pick on in this story, but it's things like that that just sort of... There's no explanation and no thought has gone into it. And it's just really, really sloppy. It really is so sloppy. It's, it's awful. I mean, for a two-parter, it just didn't even... F- I mean, if you've got a two-parter, you've got the opportunity to write a proper, well-answered script, haven't you? Yeah. Some episodes you can say stuff you think, well, they might have to cut stuff out because they didn't have time to get it into one episode or whatever. Yeah. And that's why you have these odd bits that no one explains. With a two-party, you should be able to explain everything. You should do. But this has always been my problem with a lot of the two-parters in Doctor Who. Now, we've always said that that certain stories deserve a two-parter. But when they do, this is what you get... Because it, yeah, because they seem not to, always, but they seem to be two separate stories to a certain degree. There doesn't uh, appear to be much continuation, does there? I mean, especially if you, I mean, if you go to something like the Almost People, yeah. Um, and I've forgotten the other one in that two part now, but they were sort of like Rebel Flesh, Rebel Flesh. That was it. They were like two separate stories. Yeah, um, this one's a bit more joined up than that, I think, but mm. it still just doesn't. There's just so much stuff there that's just, yeah, and this happens. Yeah. Without seeming to, I mean, like we say, we keep going back to it, why pigmen? I know, I know. How how does that work in terms of the, why have they had to create a, a, a Dalek hybrid human creature? Why couldn't they have just done that in the test tubes? Yeah. Um, why? why? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why do they just do that? Yeah. If they're actually not going to be in some way reproducing from the creature, mm. physically reproducing from the creature, then why did they need to actually create a creature? I, I know. It, that's what I mean. It was just sort of half-baked ideas, and then just sort of like, oh, no, wouldn't it be cool if we did this instead? And, oh, it was just, it was just awful. Um, I mean, the, the, idea, the idea of the Empire State, using the Empire State building, actually then you use it as an antennae to... As a conductor mm. for this energy, that's fine. I like that. I don't mind that idea. Yeah. But the fact that it it somehow transfers the Doctor's DNA into the, the creatures as well, into the humans as well, is just—it's just awful. It's awful, and you could have written a better storyline with the time you had for that. Yeah. Oh, definitely. definitely. It had been easier to have done it from the point of view of when the Doctor was helping Dalek Sec with the the DNA. Mm. For him to have put more in, or to have done something, yeah. Then, to to have realised that the Daleks were going to double cross Daleks, the other Daleks were going to d- double cross Dalek Sec, and to have tampered with that what they was using as well, mm. would have made more sense. It would have done, but no, they didn't do that, did they? No, no, no. Of course not. It'd be, be too easy. It'd be far too easy. No, I just thought. Um, I mean, I just don't think there's some any things I actually did like about this and, and, and again I, I just can't because it was just so it was just so poor I mean there's another thing as well I mean uh, we mentioned um, Hooverville sort of last week quite a bit and again we, we get like a big um, sort of uh, a big sort of battle don't we yeah in Hooverville in this episode um, all these poor people who, ha- who last week were fighting over a loaf of bread all of a sudden when there's a call to arms they're armed to the teeth yes 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, like, I, like, yeah, I like the fact none of these people have got any money, and yet when, when it comes to it, they've got, they've got an ammunition tent. Yeah. They're <laughs> handing out rifles from a tent. Got like, a little munitions factory going on there, aren't I mean, they? I can, underst- I can understand that they'd all might have a, they all might have a gun in terms of if they've all generally American culture and if you're in that sort of position there is a fear that you're going to be mugged you're, for, for what little you've got you're living with some desperate people that you'd want to keep some sort of form of well, arms a, a, revo- <laughs> a, personal, a revolver personal personally. protection yes a revolver yes yes some sort of or it may gun. be that, that, that you have you have a, a have a gun but the fact that there's somebody then suddenly that can hand out loads of guns from a t- from a tent you don't even need to keep one. You'd have sold all the others if you had that many. I know, and they're all um, for, for food. All rifles as well. We, uh, U.S. Yeah. Army issue rifles. Um, I know someone could make the argument that well, it was after the Great War. You know, they all had the all. Yeah, but they didn't give you rifles to take home with you. No, you went souvenirs you, from the front. Yeah, you did actually have to hand them back in at D Mob. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> oh well, dear. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm not going to go into American gun laws. No, Maybe. no. Maybe, no. maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, actually, there was another thing as well. Just reminded me of um, when this was transmitted and confidential was still on, on the TV. The bit when um, Solomon gives his speech, and again, they they love making him give his speeches, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and the Dalek exterminates him. Now, in the confidential one, they actually put an extra couple of beats in. So when he says, like, you know, okay, what do you say? They leave a bit more of a pause. Now, as always, this was edited differently on for the for the transmission copy, because it's almost as if the Dalek thinks about it. Yeah. And then he says exterminate, but in the, in, the, in this the transmitted version, it's immediate. He just as soon as he's finished, what do you think? What you know, what do you think? And he goes exterminate, and that's it over and done with. But but it, I, it, I, it I, would actually made more impact if he'd have done it halfway through his speech. Yeah, he would have done. Shut. He just shut him up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't care. Which actually is, is what it does, but it says, then why did they bother let, letting him do the whole speech before they shot him? Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I, I yeah, just thought actually, that... good thing on this one, actually, mm. the one point on this that actually I quite liked was the fact that when Dalek Sex tells them not to shoot the doctor, it is struggling not to do it because it is so drummed into him. This is our yeah, that's that's the... our enemy. Yeah. That is the only bit on this that actually sort of makes sense. Yeah, that the Dalek would have would have a real internal struggle not to shoot him if it had been, even though it's a direct order not to. Yeah, that that was um, as we said. There's interesting bits. You, you can well, see where this where this could have gone. Yeah, although then it comes down. Then then you go fast forward as we as I am for this to the end. You've got an unarmed Doctor. So why doesn't it just shoot him then? Yeah. I know. Even if it's gonna, even if it's made up its mind, it's gonna do this jump. It's got an opportunity to shoot him. So why doesn't it? If why it's doesn't it then? into it? Yeah, and the whole thing of, of um, making Dalek Sec crawl out onto the, and that's everything as well. Uh, the, the shoot in the in the theatre um, when the Daleks appear in a, in, a, in a puff of smoke. Yes, like like some cheap stage trick, and it's meant to be an explosion. But it did look like some just some little theatrical charge had gone off. Yeah. You know, and sort of like, and walks. And it, was like, it was like a cheap magic trick. Yeah. It was just bloody terrible. And then, but again, who, I mean, obviously they got the pigmen to chain up Dalek's sect to the wall. But again, who released him? Yeah, because he just turned, you see, 
Dalek Khan just turns around and he's already gone, hasn't he? Yeah. And it's almost as if he's escaped. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously why they didn't shoot him being, didn't, sh- didn't take the shot, do the shot of him being unchained. It's mm. because it would have looked ridiculous. Yeah. Well, okay, I mean, the, Dalek does, the Daleks do try to exterminate the Doctor, but Dalek set jumps in the way. Um, but, again, they've had more the opportunities to do that rather than having to do it on stage. Maybe it's like a, a, bit, a bit of a big entrance. <laughs> yeah, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> they do like that. Who's going to do it with dancing girls? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Cut out, out of the uh, out of the final episode, out of the final cut was the Daleks' rendition of "Putting on the Ritz," wasn't it? I came on singing. <laughs> that would have been good. I'm putting on my eye stalk. <laughs> <laughs> I think some sort of Busby Berkeley dance routine would have been fantastic with Daleks. Would have been really good, actually. It would have suited the period as well. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, there's not a lot to like out of this again, is there, really? No. There really isn't. Yeah, I mean, a couple of good things. You've got Doctor, um, not Doctor, Martha, sorry, actually being a Doctor. Yes. As well. Um, although, although, interestingly, after she's helped them, mm. she's been she's been a, a Doctor in the camp in Hooverville. She then has to tell Tallulah when they're in the Empire State Building that she's a doctor as well. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Tallulah is really that stupid that she's just sat there watching her um, treat people for the last hour or so. Yeah. <laughs> and then then takes surprise that she's actually a doctor. <laughs> I never noticed all those bandages before. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> It's bloody awful. Oh well, I think we can. Uh, I think we can safely say, you know, we, we're not going to watch this again. We're going to watch it again, are we? <laughs> we're definitely not going to watch it again. We're so sorry. <laughs> oh dear. Right, should, should we end that there then? Yes. I, th- I think we. I think we we've slagged that one off enough. Actually, I, I mean, I honestly did want something, you know, to to like about it. I honestly wanted to be able to turn around and say, you know what, it's not as bad as I remembered, but unfortunately, it is. It is. I mean, it's not still not. I don't think the worst ever episode. Uh no, no, it's not the worst ever. And I don't. And think, I don't think Helen Rayner is the worst scriptwriter we've had for Doctor Who. No, I really don't. Um, I think she was unfairly treated over there. I mean, okay, it's an awful story, but um, yeah. I, I don't think she deserved the, the the amount of venom that that she received for this for this particular uh, two parter. I really don't. Yeah. Ideas generally behind it are quite interesting. Yeah, it's just the actual what I mean, ends I mean, up. I mean, script. I mean, let's, let's you know. I think maybe people just didn't want to look at this, or you know, chose to ignore it, or just forgotten about it. It's the fact that RTD had a big hand in all of the scripts. Yeah, he, he rewrote a lot of those stories that came in. So whatever was submitted originally, what what was actually put on the screen is probably a former shadow of itself. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly, certainly, Tenant's Doctor is is very much in this is very much RTD's Doctor, isn't it? Yeah, and how he becomes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, for certain, for certain. So. um that's that then. So we will return yeah. to the series free retrospective over the coming months. Yes, we've had a bit of a lay down. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Even though I think this, I've got to think this retrospective might actually go until next year. <laughs> so. 
you've you've got you've got to start taking the medication again, haven't you? To, oh, I have indeed. Until, until, until you're until you're officially cured enough to watch another episode. <laughs> well, the reason it's going to take so long because we've got we've got so much more stuff to come, haven't we, Paul? <laughs> yes, we've got so much more stuff to yeah. come because next yeah. week it's a return to our audio commentaries. Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah. so if you thought it was getting better, no. Um, well, actually, uh, we have had comments on uh, on um, iTunes where people say, you know, they don't tend to listen to our uh, audio commentaries that much because they prefer our reviews. Um, but in the day, we enjoy doing the audio commentaries one hell of a lot. Yeah, it's th- it's actually the reason we started, wasn't it? It was the reason we started the audio commentaries, and um, when, to go back to them, it's it's always a, a pleasure for us. Yes, to do, um, and we we certainly hope you. Enjoy it at home as well, because yeah. we we have we we have one hell of a good time doing it. So um, yes. yeah, so next week, um, now we've we've decided on our story, haven't we? Yes. And well, we decided we haven't done a a McCoy one for a long, long time because uh, last one was Time and the Rani, wasn't it? Yes. Mm. <laughs> That's why we haven't. That's why we come back to McCoy long, for a long, long time. time. Uh, so next week, then we are going to be doing Ghostlight. Yes. Yes, yeah, so we'll be doing for uh, a nice little commentary in the company of uh, Mr. Tony. Yes, as well. He's as going my... to be returning. He yeah. hasn't been around for so long. He hasn't been around for a long, long time there. So it's a, an overdue return to the podcast uh, for Tony, and um, and I bet you he's still none the wiser. No, no. <laughs> well, he was doesn't want to disappoint his fans, does he? <laughs> yes. Whoever the hell they are. But... <laughs> Right, okay then. So until next week then, folks, it is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. (laughs) Goodbye. To the Who's He podcast, please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast, and please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance.